Hey everyone, uh, welcome to Twins Talk Clear Cut Communication. This is Ray and Bob coming to you from Perplexus, Texas. Yes, we are twins, and yes, we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle the topic of communication in a podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable. I'm Bob, and communication has been a curiosity of mine for over 45 years. First as a college administrator, then as a university professor, and finally as a consultant to some major and minor corporations. Big and small, they all had communication issues. And I'm Ray, a former vice president of human resources, a retired psychologist and teacher who clearly understands that weak communication makes maintaining quality relationships tricky. Being in coaching contact with physicians and business executives over the last four decades makes me both old and full of some great stories. Boy, Ray, it seemed like we uh, just could have worn people out last week in episode two when we went through the uh, communication models. I just kind of felt like that was a, a large amount of content to try to squeeze into a limited space. And what we did at the end was to promise them we would try to give them some applications to be able to help them apply these beliefs and how they affect their communication. And so maybe if you could get us started off and just kind of summarize again what we laid out last week about the three fundamental beliefs underlying what people feel is good communication, and then maybe also to lay on top of that the three elements of every message, and then even speak to the notion of our views of the strategic communicator or strategic communication as being the preferred, most effective way of communicating. Fire away. What we talked about last time was uh, your theoretical model, the one you introduced, about message design logic, MDL. And the three beliefs in that model are the early communication belief system is expressive. And that literally starts at childhood and can be developed through adulthood. But it, by design, is to be very direct, very literal, very A to B. The outcome uh, needs to be done in the most efficient manner possible. The second belief was conventional, and that is that speech needs to take care of convention. It needs to be based on relationships, based on existing cultural protocols. If there's please and thank you, that's in that. So the conventional model is one in which I'm trying to be as polite and appropriate as I can. That's what I was thinking. Appropriate really catches it too. Yep. The third piece of the bottle is the strategic belief about communicating. And that belief is that communication is dynamic. It's not static. It's not me trying to find the right thing to say at the right time in the right way. It's not me saying what I think should be said because I want to say it. It is the the understanding that every communication exchange is, is a form of reality in itself. And I want to, within that context create the best outcome I can. In addition to that, we discussed the three elements of communication, which is to say, every time an interpersonal exchange takes place, three things are happening. I'm attending to the task, or there's a task to be addressed. There is identity involved in terms of how I see you and how you see me. Then there is an understanding of what the relationship is going to be, whether it's going to move forward or whether it's going to be maintained at the level it's at, or it may be undone. 
But those three elements take place in every communication exchange. And uh, effective communicator attends to all three of them at some point. So where would the different communication beliefs connect up with the, the task, identity, and relationship model? You mean which beliefs do they connect with? Yeah. Expressives tend to focus on task. Every time they communicate, they, they believe that the outcome is the most important thing. There is something they're trying to achieve by communicating. And uh, if they achieve that task, they feel they've been effective. Even if in the midst of it, they've offended, harmed, or disconnected relationships. The conventional belief system tends to focus more on identity, more, more on relationship in terms of the outcome is effective if I can be perceived positively and the relationship between us is one that they see and I see as ongoing and positive. Okay. And then the strategic, they try to do all three at one time. They try to do all three simultaneously. The strategic communicator looks at the task, who people are in that communication, and the relationships going forward, and tries to address all three of those in whatever they're going to say, whatever whatever their message is. Okay. And just as a reminder, we closed episode two by saying one way of gauging which one of these belief structures you hold is to address three simple taglines. One is, just tell it like it is. Two is, whatever you say, be appropriate. And three is, how you say what you say is more important than what you say. The first one is identified with expressives. The second one is identified with conventionals. And the third one is with what we're calling strategic. And the original authors referred to as rhetorical, but we're going to use strategic throughout, right? Makes more sense to us. Only academics would use the word rhetorical. That's right. And they were speech professors. So that would make it, that would make sense. <laughs> right. Yep. Okay. okay. Well, I, I think people would understand, those who are listening, would understand that we're making a case. Now, listen, every time you say those who are listening, both of us look at each other and say, is anyone listening? So we've got to admit that until we get some feedback. We could start using a few names that we think are listening. At any rate, it's clear that what we're trying to do, I believe, of course, we've laid out so far, is create an argument that if you're not yet strategic in your style, if you're not yet strategic in your belief, you've got some development ahead of you because being expressive in your style will limit you professionally and personally. In this day and age, it worked in a former age. In fact, it was predominant in a former age, but it's no longer considered the most effective. And if you're conventional, you're still falling a little bit short of what it's going to take to be truly successful as a communicator coming up. Okay, so clearly we've made an argument that the preferred belief system, preferred behavior is involved in the strategic style. And I'd love to speak to that by giving an example of a leader that I coached, was a vice president in a Fortune uh, 15 company. And she was confronted by her executive vice president, essentially saying, you're as high as you're going to get. There are no more promotions in your career unless you change your style. And I've asked someone to work with you and to coach you so that you can get better in your style. Well, I had talked to this person's senior officer to make sure exactly what he thought he was telling her. And then I set up an appointment to visit with her in her office. And when I visited with her, the first question I asked is, why do you think we're meeting? What do you understand this meeting about? And she said, it's clear and simple. Well, I've been told that unless I improve my communication, unless I get better at my communication, I'm not going to get promoted. But if you're here to make me a kinder, gentler person, you can forget that shit. And I thought, <laughs> okay, now we know where we are. Now we know what we're talking about. That made it uh, clear. 
and uh, it did. I, I laughed out loud when she said that. I thought that is so funny. And I responded back by saying, it's not about being kinder and gentler. Although I'm going to say that I think in my world, my experience has been that expressives often feel that that's exactly what it's about. That when you're asking them to improve their communication or move, as we are doing even in this podcast, to a more strategic stance in your beliefs, they think, oh, you just want me to be kinder and gentler. And that doesn't make sense to me. So what I said to her was, this is not about being kinder kinder and gentler. It is about being more effective. And if you want to be more effective, we're going to have to work on this. Well, the truth of the matter is she and I became great friends. I may tell her story a little bit later in terms of what she did to work on it, but it was clear the move for her from being an expressive to being more strategic was not going to be an easy move. And she acknowledged that. And we actually worked together for over two years. So that's an example of an expressive who's having to make this move, wants to make this move, believes that at some point it's the right move, but it's not always an easy move. It, and that says to me, Bob, that one of the things that we need to cover and provide is a picture of how people move to strategic, which is what you did in this example for this young woman. It's not the same for everybody, but that is a, a critical element of skill building is that you move from one style to another and that you see the impact, that you see the effect. And that will involve changing certain behaviors. Uh, I will go into the conventional try to provide a model there of an individual I coached, happened to be a physician, happened to be a cardiologist, and was an international, which probably added to his choice of In the conventional style, he was very, very quick to always provide gracious greetings, always be quick to make sure that he was treating me properly, that with enough deference, and so on, which was part of how I viewed him as a conventional. One of his greatest dilemmas as a communicator in exchange with his colleagues was that he was very easy to get to move in a direction to be manipulated because he avoided conflict constantly. His whole communication style was based on not wanting to be perceived as aggressive, wanting to be perceived as kind and complimentary and never argumentative. But the truth was what he was really doing was just avoiding confrontation. And so in our contact, his conventional style, what I had to introduce him to was the difference of the difference between being assertive and being aggressive. And, and it's a little bit like your client, that being assertive is a, is a positive choice. It's a healthy choice. What that means is you stand up for your rights in a way that doesn't violate the rights of others. And he, that was all new to him, to be to think in terms of pushing himself forward and being assertive. And seeing that by by him backing off every confrontation, by him being so easy to manipulate, he was really putting himself at risk professionally. In his uh, medical group, people, he, he was viewed as less credible because he didn't stand up for himself. He was viewed less effective as a communicator in group settings because he was always holding back. He was always reluctant to push himself forward. And I, I saw that in the coaching setting primarily is his commitment to his conventional style, that he wanted everything to turn out okay. He wanted to keep everything comfortable. And he always he was always asking me, well, what should I say here? What's the right thing to say here? What's what, what's the wrong thing to say? And we we worked on his assertiveness, his his behavior that said, you have to concede. And, and uh, I thought it was a very good choice for a very good outcome. So in a way, what we're doing is talking to the expressives and the conventionals listening to the podcast and saying, if you want to become strategic, be more effective in your communication, 
you're going to have to begin to alter some of your behavior. And I know in the past, you've worked with a change model that I think at this point may be helpful to talk about as a way of beginning to help people think about, well, if I'm this, how do I begin to make the move to something else? Want to speak to that? Sure. Uh, It's a Actually, it's a skill acquisition model. It's a change behavior model in four stages. And the first stage is called unconscious incompetence. Whenever you're introduced to a new way of behaving, a new skill set, you've got to help that person become aware that they're not good at this. Because a lot of people presume that any new skill they'll just good at, they'll be good at. For example, I think of people who go to the driving range and hit golf balls and think they'll be great on the course. They don't know how bad they're going to be. They are unconsciously incompetent. They go out there and smack the balls around. Even some of them will go quite far. And they begin to presume or assume that they're going to be good at this. The second stage is called conscious incompetence. Now, for many, that doesn't sound like a step up because all I've done is go from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence. But what that says is I'm I'm now aware that I'm not any good at this. I'm now aware that I can't perform the skill, that I can't do it well. And for all of us, when we when we go through the skill building sequence, that stage is often the, the most uncomfortable for us because it's so embarrassing to be aware that I'm incompetent. The third stage is called conscious competence. Now, this is a stage of a skill development in which I can perform the skill if I give it 100% concentration. But if I break concentration, it falls apart quickly. Okay, but as long as I bear down, focus, and get a grip, I can form that skill. The last stage is what's called unconscious competence. And that's where I do it without even having to think. I can do it without any focused effort at all. So our goal, Bob, I believe out of this session is to alert people to the fact that they may be unconsciously incompetent when it comes to the issue of strategic communication. That's a skill. It can be developed, but... It's one that until you're alert to the fact that you aren't good at this, you're not likely to change. Yeah. And I think actually, our two examples, my vice president, the first step was moving her from being unconsciously incompetent regarding her communication behaviors to being more consciously incompetent. And that was a very big step for her to begin to say, those three elements make sense to me. I want to include them in every one of my communications. But then realizing that consistently she doesn't was one of those eye-opening experiences. And then where we want to move it is we want to move it to that third stage of conscious competence, where people are actually beginning to work on their skills. And what we hope to share over many of the next episodes are some of the behaviors that fit into that model that make you a more effective strategic communicator. Some of the specific behaviors that if you begin to practice them and are willing to work on them, even if you feel at some moments, this seems too um, manipulative, too rote, too embarrassing, that the more you work on them, the hope for outcome is that you'll move to a level of unconscious competence when it comes to being a more strategic communicator. Does that make sense to you? I'm, it does. I'm there. It does. Okay. One of my one of my primary models of unconscious competence would be Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. He he never does what he does, or any of the great ones, never what do what they do by thinking it through. They're now at a point where it just happens for them naturally. And what see, I think saying, a lot of our folks would like that to be true of them now. They hear something <laughs> good, and they would like, wow, 
that sounded right. I'm just going to start doing that. But in fact, their fundamental beliefs that we've been arguing from last episode kind of work against that because they don't fundamentally hold the beliefs of a strategic communicator. And what we're suggesting is even if at some point you find you still fundamentally believe one of the other model, you can still begin to choose behaviors that will make you more effective and more strategic. Right? Yeah, but you're a great example of Michael Jordan. Well, okay. I think we're they're good to go. We're looking forward to episode four. It's hard to believe. And I think what we're going to see there is we're going to uh, work on some very specific behaviors that will help us along this road of being a more effective communicator. Terrific. Twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or a situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. Remember, no communication problem is too big, too complicated, or too intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is. Almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the musical score that began and ended this podcast. 